science of. The science of leadership this evening. Mark Khan, the head of human resources and organizational development at Investec, is with us this evening. What exactly is leadership? Um, we throw away, or throw the term around all the time. We bemoan the lack of political leadership. We uh, bemoan the lack of moral leadership. We bemoan the lack of corporate leadership. We, uh, I mean, we whinge about a lack of leadership a lot of the time, but. I'm willing to suggest that we probably haven't a clue what we're whinging about because we don't really understand leadership as a concept. Uh, Felicity says, best, ex- uh, best leadership, follow the example of the 15th century Italian uh, Borgia family. Kill your enemies and suck up your mates. Nothing changes. <laughs> um, that's one way of doing it. Um, a- another one uh, from Michelle DeFoss this evening. Leadership is the ability to listen. Really. Listen. Yeah, listen, Michelle, makes me a leader. Um, so, Mark, on, what's leadership? Well, I, I would actually disagree with that last comment, leadership, the ability to listen. Uh-oh. It may be the ability to listen in a context at a time if that's what's needed. But sometimes great leadership is someone that says, listen, I'm stopping to listen. I'm now saying it's enough. Stop all the whinging. We're moving forward. I don't want to hear another word. And in a context at a time, that can be a powerful form of leadership. In another context, not listening could destroy a business. So the idea of a competency set and the most common one offered is listening. Like these are the set of competencies. If you do these five things, you know, listen, set a vision, you know, consider others' opinions and then calculate a way forward. The, if you do these things and you practice them and you get good, that's good leadership. But isn't that what MBAs teach you? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So what's wrong with that? Because it completely ignores the reality of leadership, which is that in a situation at a time, one kind of leadership is required for that group to thrive in a market. And in another context, it isn't. And sometimes the competencies listed that you're practicing are going to work and sometimes they aren't. I mean, take Winston Churchill, absolutely regarded as one of the best leaders of the 20th century. In, in the thousands of leadership programs I've sat in over, you know, 15 years, uh, probably hundreds, not thousands, um, Winston Churchill's always offered as like, there's a great leader. But, Winston, but he was a Win- shocking peacetime leader. Winston Churchill, up until 1939, was diabolical. I diabolical. Mean, he, shot, he, he had mine workers. Well, no, there were, prote- were there mine workers? I can't remember. There was a big protest in 1922 at the same time as our mine workers strike here. Yeah, he was uh, a government minister. He ordered the troops to fire on striking workers. Hmm. He was massively criticized. The Dardanelles campaign, he was a, a, a war minister. He's a pariah politically. Um, per- before a political the war. pariah, but 1940 one happens um, and suddenly the Battle of Britain happens and Churchill rises through the quagmire of depression and anxiety and the fear that Britain is about to be invaded by Nazi Germany and uh, the world listens and is inspired by this gruff old man. Exactly. And, and in that context, that's the kind of leadership that was needed, and he was a match to it, and he took it up. And then after the war, they had to basically fire him. Well, in 1945, he goes to an election against a guy called Clement Attlee, and Britain says, thank you so much for winning the war with us, Mr. Churchill. You're the weakest link. Goodbye. We want uh, more of a socialist right. state. Precisely. So was Churchill a good leader or a bad leader? You see, that question can only be answered when you consider the context within which he was mm, leading and okay. the relational fit of him and his nature to that context. And that's what the sort of uh, mistake is that people make, particularly in corporate. They come up with like, here are the five things that will make a good leader in this company. 
nonsense. So when people are going and they go off to the headhunters and they put their name down on a list, a secret list of be potentially be headhunted, and they fill in a psychometric test that says, I'm a great leader because I tick all five boxes. Um, then uh, fail. There may be pretty good and they may have got the certificates um but put the wrong person into the wrong job um and you've got a potential disaster on your hands. that certificate is worthless absolutely worthless because that certificate is a generic set of of psychological attributes and or abilities and they're so generic that you don't know if, if are you in a wartime or in a peacetime i mean einstein said it in a poetic way you know, he said, if you ask a fish to climb a mountain, he looks a fool. Put him in the water, you call him a genius. Okay, so now, you know, again, are we going to say, if a fish has the following competencies, it'll be brilliant? Well, I say, what, brilliant at what? Climbing a mountain or swimming in the sea? So we have to know the connection between the context you want someone to lead in and who they are. And Great. that's leadership. Greatest business leader of the late 20th century, early 21st century, Steve Jobs. Right, Steve people, Jobs. You read the books about Steve Jobs and people were terrified of that maniac. Exactly. But he was absolutely brilliant at leading the industry he was in for a period of time. And that's also the other point is a period of time. If the market changes or the world changes, maybe Steve Jobs, if he had lived longer, would have suddenly failed. So, again, there's this question, once a leader, always a leader. I'm always a great leader. Well, you have, you know, in a certain period of time, you may be, and then the world changes and the match is wrong, same as what happened to, to Churchill. Or change the context. I'm a great leader at a Standard Bank. Now I come to Investec, I fail. Well, I'm a great leader at Investec. Now I go to Standard Bank and I fail. This happens all the time. Well, which culture, is it? isn't it? Culture, system, context, the match. So leadership is something that happens in a context between people at a time. I mean, look at uh, the presidents of South Africa. You know, I mean, obviously Madiba was an amazing leader for a time. Would he, if he, you know, please God he would still be alive today, but if he had stayed president for another two terms, do you think he would have retained uh, but, the but, same but the stature? stature? Because he would have started disappointing people. His, his, his greatest leadership attribute was not only reconciliation, but also knowing when to go. Brilliant. You see, now that's, that's, if I was yeah. to say there's only one, one thing that a leader should think about, there's only one thing because nothing else matters. It's the fit for the group or the company or the country at this time that they can, you know, the degree of fit they are as a leader to that context at this time and to know that they fit or don't fit or what they're short of and to compensate for that or bow out. But to actually get a whole set of behavioral you know, competencies and start practicing those and imagine if you get a higher score on them, yeah. you're going to be a better leader, is, it's, it's madness. Need a whiteboard. Every leader needs a whiteboard. <laughs> George, you've done a PhD in leadership. How did you stay awake long enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, I was once at uh, Stanford at a management program and there's this PhD professor, absolutely thought it was fantastic. And she said to me, whatever you do, don't do a PhD in something that you like. And I said, but why not? She said, you're absolutely going to die. You've got to do it in something that you love because it's going to be a lonely journey. And that's what happened to me over five years. Um, I did my PhD with uh, School of Business Leadership. Um, and just, you know, what is leadership? And that, that's what piqued my interest. As many guys as you can have uh, in a room or at a bra, if you ask anyone what leadership is, you'll get a definition. And everyone will be right because uh, they'll be able to validate it. So 
what I had to do in my research, which was uh, focused on uh, strategic leadership in the automotive retail industry uh, in South Africa, that's uh, dealerships, I had to define to to, to satisfy uh, my professors what leadership was. And what we did, we, we narrowed it down to say the ability to deliver consistent financial results over a period of time, and we use return on average assets over a five-year period, that we defined as effective strategic leadership um, in the industry. And I had to get down to that because after reading hundreds of articles, which you have to do, I could not find a consistent definition uh, of, of leadership, let alone uh, this thing called strategic leadership, which is the leadership of organizations. And at that stage, my, my thesis and uh, my paper was published in 2012, less than 5% of the articles I read could even talk about leadership of organizations. So in, in my research, at the end of it, I kind of proposed, I uh, came up with propositions on what leadership is. But the one thing that absolutely stood out, uh, which ties into a, a bit of what I picked up just now, is authentic leadership. And by that, every single leader in my sample defined their own personal leadership philosophy. They defined who they were, their values, their beliefs, uh, the way that they think about uh, uh, different situations. And arising out of that, they then uh, literally would, would cocoon an organization in a web based on from their own personal leadership philosophy. Georgia Midran, thank you for your call this evening. So leadership doesn't matter unless you're making a profit, Mark. Huh? Yeah, look, you know, that's, with all due respect, I'm sure that that research was good research, but it's a bit cop-out. It's like saying, well, I couldn't really locate leadership, which is true, by the way. I agree with that. You know, if you start looking for it as a phenomenon. You can't define it in a narrow. Inside a person. Mm. You're looking for a leadership inside a person. You're yeah. looking for the abominable snowman. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you know, yeah. people say it's there, but it ain't there. So then you cop out and you go, it's basically achieving a certain financial objective. Well, that's not leadership because who knows that whether or not, you know, you were in, instrumental in making it happen. Maybe the market's turned and good luck to you. But that's also a, a, an aspect of it, isn't it? Raymond Smart says leadership's not the ability to lead. It's the ability to have others choose to follow. Again, you know, that will be for a certain context or time because you'll see some very, very foolish choices of following certain people, okay? Like? Leading people to their own death, like cults, for example. Okay, fair enough. Okay, it's an extreme example. But we've really seen how you can get really poor direction taking by certain people and others will follow them and that's the end of the company. Welcome to the Science of Leadership this evening. Mark Khan is uh, the Head of Human Resources and Organizational Development at Investec. Um, authentic leadership. Yes. you know, That's this a textbook definition. Uh, yeah. Look, this, this notion of authenticity is very seductive. I just want to acknowledge that. And it's... it's, it's because all, it comes it's, in an MBA textbook. Yeah, it's all carol for now. You know, it's like the current, it's the current thing, like talent management and talent is like this idea of talent that's a whole other discussion which also makes me go crazy but look authentic and who's authentic you know sometimes what a group of human beings needs from a leader is not to be authentic which is not to tell them you're terrified you don't think they're going to make it and basically if you were them you'd bail (laughs) you know so now what the group needs to actually survive is for the leader to 
kind of kid them a little bit and give them just that 2% of hope that we're going to make it and not show that he or she is terrified. They're, they're losing sleep. The team yeah. doesn't need to. And, yeah. and then privately, the leader goes to their coach and says, I, you know, I pulled it off. <laughs> now, if that's what's needed to let the group adapt and survive and thrive – then that's leadership. Is it authentic? No. Does a leadership need to be a bulldozer at times? Absolutely. Sometimes a leader should not listen. You can quote me on that. Sometimes a leader should not listen. When? Sometimes a leader should not be authentic. Sometimes a leader should just give hope with just a little spark of fantasy. Give, and other times, mm-hmm. if you do that, you'll kill everything. Give hope. And provided you get away with it, people start buying Correct. the myth. Exactly. Leadership. Yeah. Because, and also this idea that leadership's a job that a manager does. Actually, leadership is an activity or a function that anyone can take up. So in, in a meeting at work, there's a bunch of you in a room. One of you is a manager that everyone reports to. Anyone can take up leadership and give hope. Anyone can take up leadership and say, let's think about the market and how we can adapt differently. Anyone can take up leadership and say, hang on a second. He has an idea. That's leadership. It's leadership in a moment, though. It's not the function of leadership. We tend to pigeonhole leadership as a function. Yes. Is that a mistake? Absolutely. You know, when people say, uh, who are we going to invite to this offsite? Well, let's invite leadership. You know, to me, that you, that's… You, you're inviting gra- people who have a title of manager, not inviting leaders. Precisely. Then you're confusing a job with a phenomena. And, you know, what's missing in South Africa is leadership. We might criticize our president, but actually what we're criticizing is the capacity to take the country forward that millions of people could take up and are not. Um, you know, you have to really be more clear about it. But leadership as context is really interesting. I mean, you look at really bright people who put in charge of divisions in, in companies or who are given the charge of companies, and it just doesn't work. Precisely. Because they are why? the square peg in the round hole. Because that Winston Churchill in peacetime or yeah. a fish going up a mountain. Mm. But, and then if you ask them, why is it not working? What do they say? They blame the people or they blame the context. And if you ask the people, they blame the person. But actually the truth is in the interaction between them. And that's why that guy who did the PhD found nothing when he scratched for years looking for this phenomena. He found an abominable snowman. Because leadership isn't in the individual and it's not in the people. It's in the interaction between them. Can leadership then as a concept be taught? Should it be abandoned by, by the MBA schools, by, by the business schools? Not at schools? all. It absolutely should be taught, but it shouldn't be taught as a set of competencies or tricks or behaviors that an individual should practice. But how do you teach something that is intangible? You teach it as a phenomena that happens in an organization or in groups of people and how to work with it as a phenomena. So, for example, you move away from the idea of leadership is a set of the following things. And rather you say leadership is anything, absolutely anything that allows a group of human beings to adapt effectively to their external environment and integrate as a group internally to deliver on that adaptation. And anything that does that is leadership. What makes some people better leaders than others? The capacity to understand what I've just said. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I'm a lousy leader. But, but it is a little bit – you've got to be slightly fanciful. You've got to be a little bit mad probably. You've got to have courage. Um, you've got to be flexible. Uh, and maybe nimble is the same as flexible. I don't know. But you obviously have to have an intellectual capacity, which is non-negotiable. You have to have a, a, a suitable qualification. But Not necessarily. I mean, let's take wartime. I can show you someone who doesn't fit any of the descriptions you've made now, yeah. who I would, if I was basically in the Vietnam War in the jungle, yeah. this individual is the one I would follow. 
non-intellectual, <laughs> absolutely black and white about everything, totally unemotional, but understands survival and basically will get me through the jungle. You'd follow Bear Grylls. Exactly. Although Bear Grylls seems to be quite switched on. But a kind of, uh, you know, Bear Grylls who doesn't talk to me and can't articulate life. If I was in a group of people in the jungle, that's who you want leading. We, but, hope, we hope we never have to do that. So precise, most of us go into the corporate yeah. jungle on a daily basis. What defy, what, 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 what are the sort of characteristics we're looking for in terms of people who get the corporate sector, who navigate the corporate sector better okay. than most others? So I'll commit to one thing at least. I'll say, you know, anyone who wants to take up leadership in an organization, particularly in business, needs to understand that business is a system. It isn't, you know, about individuals being good in their own right. It is about them being good together in a context, in a market that is changing and moving all the time and appreciate the complexity of that. So we get rid of all these silly recipes and we get into real life and real life is complicated, it's difficult and an individual is prepared to go there and try and work it out and engage. That to me is like the number one thing. I would say is going to stand you in good stead in a business. I asked, I asked Raymond Ackerman this question. I'll ask you this question as well. Excluding your bosses at Investec, because that would be unfair, because you'd have to say Stephen Kossoff is the greatest leader of all time. Um, I asked Raymond Ackerman this question uh, five years ago, and he said that nice young Jacko Marie, um, relative to Raymond Ackerman, Jacko Marie was younger at the time, 55 at the time. Um, I said to him recently, who's your greatest, who's your best CEO? He said, Brian Joffe. Um, and that's Raymond Ackerman's view. Um, who's got the leadership plot best sussed in South Africa right now? You give me more than one if you like. All the names you've mentioned are there, okay, including, and I will say including our CEO, without a doubt. Um, but Brian Joffe, I mean, it, look what he's managed to do. Give me something do. new. Give me something new. Something new. You mean a new person? A new I'm name. Like a, a name a, I haven't a, mentioned. A new name. They may have mentioned. Oh, I couldn't. You're putting me on the spot there, Bruce. Precisely. You're putting me on the spot. But okay, oh, you know what about Mark Zuckerberg? He's not South African. Okay, but I but I'm, I want to put him forward for a reason. How old is he? He's a kid. He's under thirty. Yeah. Right. He's a kid. Is he a nice guy? Did he listen to people? Did he fit? Like, imagine if we took Mark Zuckerberg while he was at university and we put him on a kind of set of psychometrics that measure leadership ability. Um, how do you think he would have fared? Good cop out. Mark Khan, <laughs> who is the head of human resources and organizational development at Investec, the science of leadership. It's blown my mind. Thank you.